So you haven't started driving yet, but there's kind of two things with sewing that are like driving. There's the gas pedal and there's the steering wheel. Where's the steering wheel? The steering wheel is your hands and they are guiding and steering the fabric the direction you want them to go underneath the needle so it sews where you want it to. That's Sarah, teacher, mom, fabric freak, and seemly seamstress. A modest pro at sewing with kids, she joined us in an attempt to capture the chaos of a back-to-school project with four kids under 10 and one sewing machine. The perfect exercise in knowing when to walk away and when to take a breath, rip the stitches, and run that seam again. Stay tuned for some tips, tricks, and some spots around Austin to tune up your stitching skills. I'm Amber, and here's Angelica with our weekly chat. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Angelica. Thanks for joining us on Chatty Crafties, a show where I celebrate my creative friends to get inspired by everyday art. This is actually take three. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We started last night um, with all four kids. I thought it would be hilarious um, and fun, so much fun, to have them make pencil cases. For back to school. For back to school. I mean, it's coming up, and they need pencil cases. And it turns out it's not good audio. To have four children. Four children running amok. Um and doing something that takes a lot of concentration and patience, like sewing. And actually, as you were saying, oh, four kids in here trying to do really anything, as I heard it, what were we thinking? What were we thinking? They all, one-on-one, did very well. Yes. And they, they all, I think, you know, they got their creative bug from us. They all they all have a desire to create and definitely make their own thing. And even even with my kids, like picking out their own fabric, they get really excited about that part of it. In fact, Lily said to me the other day, she said, mine isn't going to look like anyone else's. Yeah. And Lily you know? is eight. Lily's eight. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's fun. And they I think they already appreciate that and enjoy that side of it that you know, it'll be exactly what you want it to be. Right. You can customize every part of it. Yeah. Do you like making things with your kids? I do. I um, have to let go of some of my perfectionist side, which I think is good for me, ultimately. Sometimes they don't even care that it's not perfect. They don't even know what perfect really is when yeah, it comes to these things. what it would look like. And so, you know, if they're happy and it's functional... I have to, you know, just decide to be okay with it. Um, but in some ways, that's that's liberating, too, and I think it's a good um, good kind of training for myself, too. You know, just don't be so hard on yourself. If you work really hard at something, appreciate that and, you know, appreciate the work you've put into it and don't make, you know, don't worry so much that it's perfect and every stitch is where it should be and that kind of thing and if it's not where it should be or your zipper is too short or your podcast didn't record it's okay to rip that stitch that's why we have seam rippers yes and so um you are taking out the other side of your zipper during this take (laughs) on your cute little bag and um we talked about fabric um and do you find yourself going in search of a certain kind of fabric or, um, 
you know, from a pattern trying to get fabric or do you see fabric and you're like, oh, I covet this and now I need it for many things. I start with the fabric. I find fabric that I just think is amazing, that I love, that's beautiful or soft or, you know, whatever it is that attracts me to it. And then from there, days later, sometimes months later, I'll look at it and I'll go, oh, that's supposed to be a dress or a bag, or that would be really cute as shorts for the kids. And you use a pattern. You are not afraid of a pattern, and you help me out with patterns because I'm slightly intimidated by them, and you're my sewing buddy, and so we do quite a few things together. Um, when you make clothes for Lily or Oliver, um, you adjust them. You don't use the straight-up pattern for... You know, an eight-year-old because she, you were saying, has like a different size waist and a different yeah. size inseam. And... Right. And so, I mean, to me, that's one of the biggest benefits of sewing clothing for myself and for the kids is that for her especially, you know, she's eight. But, for example, I made her a couple bathing suits. I know you saw part of that process because I definitely did some seam ripping on one of those. Yeah. Um, I made her a couple of bathing suits for our trip that we went on because she is one of these kids that doesn't, she doesn't fit just a regular size in the store. You know, I would have to buy her two bathing suits and put them together. You know, with women's suits, we are accustomed to, you know, I can buy a small top and medium bottoms or, you know, whatever yeah. combination I need and that works, but they don't typically sell little girls bathing suits that way. Well, I'm impressed that you were able to do that because usually last minute sewing or late night sewing becomes stressful and it gets jammed and like you ruined it and you have to start over and you don't have enough fabric. Like those types of stressful thoughts enter into the equation um, when time is a factor and you just knocked them all out. Yeah, well, I definitely, I mean, you saw one of the bathing suits. I definitely did a little seam ripping. Um, and for me to really late night sewing after I've been sewing for a long time, it does wear on you. It's like anything, you know, you kind of burn out a little bit and you get frustrated, you get tired. And so you definitely have to know when to walk away. And um, I think earlier you kind of equated it to maybe like having a little argument with somebody. Yeah. You've got to know, all right. We're not getting anywhere with this. I just got to walk away for a little bit. I'll come back. And usually the next morning, oh, yeah, I see why that didn't work. Or, yep, I'm going to rip that seam out and fix it and, you know, that kind of thing. I was actually very intimidated by garment sewing when I first started sewing. Um, I'm completely self-taught, which is kind of interesting because both of my grandmothers could sew and were very good at it. They both made many of my parents' clothes when my parents were younger. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I mean, I guess really the time that I would have picked that up from them, I was a disgruntled teenager, and mm -hmm. I didn't want to do such things. Um, and my mom was very outdoorsy. She was very, um, she loved animals. She loved being outside. Um, and so I didn't really see her craft really at all when I was a kid, but I found out later that she actually embroidered and was very good at it. Um, she did some cross-stitching when I was older, and I did see her do that occasionally, um, but not, not as often. So I didn't, oddly enough, I didn't pick up any of these crafty things from 
my relatives. Hmm. Um, it didn't really get passed down that way. But, but the appreciation maybe was there. Yeah, probably. Um, it's in your blood. Yeah, it's definitely there. Um, and my, my grandmothers, one in particular, did craft some with us. One of my grandmothers at one point had a full-size weaving loom. Holy smokes! Which if you've ever seen one, I mean, that takes it would take room. half this office. Yeah. Um, and she and she would let us do a little bit on that sometimes. Um, so so I did see it probably most with her. You have a couple of great sites that you send me to and send patterns from. Um, one of them is Noodlehead, and so that's where we got that pencil case pattern from. Yep. And you get a lot of like bags and garment patterns from her. Yeah, she's, I really like her stuff. She, um, she's very thoughtful in her designs, but most, but they're not overly complicated. They're very functional, which of course, you know, I appreciate that. Yep. Um, and she's just very good at explaining things. I've definitely learned new skills from making some of her bags. There were times where, you know, it was a pocket or a zipper or something in a certain way that you see all the time and you're like, oh yeah, that'd be so cool to have on my bag. But then, ooh, I don't know how to do that. Right. But the way that she walks you through it, it's straightforward. It's beautiful simple, pictures. Uh-huh. And just really good instructions. And, you know, it's she's one place that I direct people that tell me things like, oh, I want to start sewing, but I don't know what to do or where to go. Go there, pick out, you know, one of her tote bags or one of her... You know, she has a couple pouches that, like, snap closed, so you don't have to do a zipper, mm -hmm. things like that. And she's also extremely generous with her free tutorials. She has pages of free tutorials, um, which isn't as common with pattern makers that sell their patterns. Because, of course, you know, that's part of their livelihood right. is to sell them. They're artists. But I think for her, um, and sometimes hers are sponsored by fabric producers and things like that. Um, but I think for her, too, I mean, I found her through some of her free patterns and, of course, since then have bought many of them, you know. Uh -huh. I think it's a way to kind of try out that person and see if you like their style of instructions, their style of bags, their, you know, and kind of test it out. And then, you know, I mean, I've bought many from her since then. Um, so she's a great one. Um, there's a lot of great makers, uh, pattern makers in Austin. Um, blank slate patterns. Um, all and she goes under the kind of tagline Melly Sews. Mm -hmm. um, she is local to the Austin area, um, and she's great. I've actually met her in person. She's very sweet. Did you? Yeah. Um, and uh, also made every day mm -hmm. by Dana Willard. She is a from the Austin area as well. Um, they both have great patterns. They both have great instructions, lovely pictures. Um, and as, of course, you know me, lots of just practical kind of wardrobe staples. You know, nothing super intricate or fancy to where it's going to take you hours and hours, you know, um, but just things that you can wear every day. Yeah, something not overly complicated. Yeah. It's, the pattern is very thoughtfully designed and simple pieces, so... The assembly isn't going to take weeks and weeks, and then you get tired of it. Right, <laughs> exactly. putting it together yeah. is a chore. Yeah. So send me a list of different patterns or sites so that I can include on the blog post, and that way people can find them and kind of 
you know, dip their toe in starting patterns since these seem to be the simplest ones that yeah. you found. Yeah, those are great. And actually, um, Made Every Day with Dana, she she has a lot of great video tutorials. She's super adorable and she is not afraid to get in front of the camera and she has a bunch of video tutorials for things too. And I know some people some people want to read the instructions and some people want to be shown. Yeah. And so that's another good resource. It's um, like having their very own Sarah as a sewing <laughs> buddy showing how to I do stuff. I mean, not quite as good, but yeah. <laughs> how often do you make things with your kids? Um, I kind of typically take things on a project-by-project project basis. Um, so on our trip, Oliver picked out, you know, the kids got to each pick a couple souvenirs and he's my music lover, and so he he picked out this recorder, and I feel, at 6.30 in the morning, I feel a little crazy that I... <laughs> agreed to that? Agreed to that, yes. <laughs> but um, it, it has these great kind of intricate um, patterns on it, kind of these little clay figurines that have been mm-hmm. attached to it. It is, it's great, it's, it's amazing. Um, but because of all that, it makes it a little bit more delicate. You know, if he tosses it around too much, those little clay parts are going to get ruined. And so I had said, I think we need to find a way to keep that so it doesn't get just destroyed. And he said, Mama, let's make a pouch for it to protect it. And I said, that's a great idea. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of modified a pattern I had already used before for a little pouch and just basically made it bigger. And then... Um, you know, he picked out the fabric from my stash, extensive fabric stash. <laughs> um, and, uh, I did most of the cutting. He is six. Um, my scissors are very sharp, which is great, but also not great if they, you know, miscut. And also, I'm sure you have the same rule I have. The sewing and cloth scissors, no one gets to touch but mom. So I do let them use, um, I have a couple different sizes. I have a smaller pair of, um, gosh, I don't know, maybe they're four inch or something along those lines, much smaller than my, what you'd probably call uh, like dressmaking scissors. Those are huge, but um, I have a smaller pair that I will let them use, but only only for fabric. To the point where I, we have, I have paper crafting scissors. Yep. And I have fabric scissors, and I intentionally bought them so that the handles are different colors. Uh-huh. So everybody knows the difference. You know what my granny used to do? My granny used to tie a little piece of whatever it was that scissor was going to cut. So if it was a yarn scissor, she would tie a little bit of yarn to the handle. If it was for fabric, she would tie fabric to it so that, it, you know, just visually someone knew and you didn't have to communicate hey, don't use my fabric scissors on bacon, Matt, because I'm going to cry about it and remember it 10 years later. Maybe use some kitchen scissors on that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I uh, That's a really great idea. Um, I've, I've not done that. But like I said, I do have, and all of my fabric scissors, I, I thought of it at, a, at around the same time and was able to do this all my... All my good fabric scissors all have the same color handles, mm-hmm. and then the and then the paper scissors actually all do as well. And in case anyone is wondering why, it's because it dulls them. It does, um, and it dulls them in different ways. Um, and I think that's also kind of the important distinction of having 
paper scissors versus, you know, um, fabric scissors because they dull at different rates and in different ways and you can damage them differently. I was telling you the story the other day of how I accidentally cut through or attempted to cut through a pin <laughs> um, with my a sewing pin with my smaller scissors and thought I had destroyed them. But luckily, it's Austin. We have farmer's markets. You can get all kinds of stuff there. And I had them resharpened. Right, because if you're trying to cut through it and you have a spot that doesn't want to cut, it will just, like, you know, ruin your beautiful straight line. Mm -hmm. It kind of messes up kind the pattern. dead spot. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, crafting with the kids is kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. And we had talked more earlier about kind of how old they were and kind of what I let them do mm -hmm. and kind of have domain over in regards to that. Um, so always picking the fabric. They always pick their own fabric. Uh -huh. um, in part, I even do that with the clothes I make for the kids because I don't want to spend an hour making something that they won't wear. Oh, tell me about it. And them having the choice of the fabric definitely makes them more eager to wear whatever it is. Although I think I've kind of lucked out because my kids are pretty eager to wear the stuff I make them anyways. And I've heard stories that this is not always the case. It's been a progression over time based on their age, obviously, and their attention span and kind of motor skills and things like that. Um, you know, because I've seen, I've seen, you know, sewing bloggers that have a toddler in their lap while they're sewing. And probably that child isn't doing very much to help the sewing process, but they are gaining a lot of experience. Her, their hands are on it. Yeah, They're from seeing how we guide mm -hmm. the fabric through. Instead of pushing it, it's more of a guiding. Yeah. Um, and if they're tall enough, they can put their foot on the pedal, mm -hmm. which Eloise did last night. Ansley sat in my lap, and she cannot reach the pedal. She wanted to sit underneath the desk, and I was like, no, honey, that's just going to be just pure chaos. Reminding me of the cartoons where it's like some... Kids driving in a car. Or animals, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And somebody's doing the pedal and somebody's steering and yeah. it's just That insanity. is a disaster. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, Ansley will cut threads like after we sew a line. She'll, mm -hmm. she'll cut the thread for that. Or yeah. um, they press the backstitch button. Uh-huh. Um, just something engaging with the machine. Um and so I'm sure the same goes for Lily and Oliver, where you have a couple of kids' machines. I do, yeah. I do have, technically I have two kids' machines. One of them I use. Um, <laughs> it's your favorite. It is my favorite, unexpectedly. Um, yeah, so I have the really little kids' Janome, which, I mean, I think you can find it $40, $50. It's pretty inexpensive. Um but they make a really good machine. Even their lower-end machines like that are pretty good quality for what you're getting. Um, and they, that one is nice. It, um, even at its fastest, it doesn't have a speed control. Some machines you can buy with an actual speed control. Um, but that pedal, even when it's all the way down, it doesn't go very fast. So it's kind of just self-limiting. Um, the other thing that's nice about that machine, especially if you want to start them pretty young on it, is the foot is giant. It's this huge plastic foot, and it's so big, I have a hard time threading it 
the needle sometimes because getting my fingers in there to thread it is difficult. So the point of that is, of course, they couldn't just easily sew through their finger. Right. You know, or even really get it close. So um, you were saying that you would let Lily sew something unaccompanied, you know. Yeah, that one would be fine. Um, I mean, there might be some seam ripping that has to happen because it might not go perfectly, but I, I don't think she could hurt herself on that. Yeah. Um, and it does also go slow enough, and she's gaining enough experience she'll have time to recognize if something isn't going right and have time to adjust. Um, and it's definitely good for practice because, like I said, it's pretty safe. Yes. Once they had a little bit of experience on it, you could kind of let them sew next to you. Or at, And at eight, I would let her sew alone on it because, you know, she has enough experience. Um, and there's a lot of techniques you can use sewing with kids to um, kind of help them learn the process. Um, if you can put them on a little machine like that where they can kind of run the whole thing themselves. Also, the foot pedal on that one is much smaller. It's oh, kid-sized. okay. So it would be easier for a smaller foot to, to work it and yeah. move it as opposed to a full-size foot pedal that might be more difficult the smaller the child is. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't have a light. Oh. It doesn't have its own light, which... Okay. Is not the greatest. Um, I mean, it's just, it's very simple. It's small. It's lightweight. So, you know, they were just saving on all those things. Yeah. Um, so what we ended up doing, and I think you know about these too, those great clip-on um, LED lights from Ikea that are like nine. I put them in the dollhouse. Nine ninety nine or something great. I know. That's what we ended up using. Okay. And then she can just clip it right next to wherever she's sewing. Yeah. Because it is tricky unless you're in a room with really good lighting to sew without a light, even then it's hard because your machine shadows yeah. what you're trying to look at under it. And so other techniques for sewing with kids, um, you can print out on maybe like cardstock or something, some type of outline or you can draw. You could even draw your kids something, <laughs> you know, and practicing sewing you can draw around. too by the way <laughs> I'm that. working on it <laughs> I'm working on it but um so having them practice just sewing the outline of a picture yeah or something that's been drawn or written you're, for them you're making a circle gesture and that is the one thing I feel inadequate at because I have an embroidery project right there that right I want you to acknowledge how full disclosure I looked like <sighs> I was freehand drawing that circle I would absolutely trace something right <laughs> you know and um but any shape you know you could start with squares straight lines are good um I, the other day in fact the square might be a great one to include yeah early on i i was making we were making oliver's recorder case and i did the trick where you leave the needle down at the corner you flip up the foot and you just pivot yeah what would that be like a 90 degree pivot yep. plop the foot back down and just keep going yeah. And there's your there's your square corner that's really difficult to do without that. I mean to actually move around a corner. Yes. You can't get that nice crisp squared edge. I, I showed him that and it kind of blew his mind. <laughs> what? He was like, the Whoa, you works? can do that? And I said, Yes, this is a great trick. So yeah, so starting them on paper, it's simple, it's easy, it's 
not as likely to get caught up on things. Yeah. You're, you're just going to get rid of it when you're done. I like the idea of it being straight lines, because sewing is 90% straight lines. It really is. It like, really is. When people tell me, oh, I don't know if I can do curves. Like, you're not going to do that very you often. You don't have to do that many curves, um, and you don't have to start out with any. Like I said, tote bags, a set of cloth napkins, or a tea towel, or... All of these things are all, they're all basically squares and rectangles. Yeah. You know, so you don't really have to do that many curves at first if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, so, and actually I have seen some of the more advanced kind of printouts for kids to practice on is like a spiral. But that's really advanced. I mean, yeah, I feel like I would, I would have to spend a lot of time on that. Tell me about your workspace. I found this Hello Kitty Janome. It was about $100. And I bought it to travel with, to go mm -hmm. to classes, to sew with friends, to, you know, when we road trip on the holidays and I'm out of town as a teacher, my holidays are my time to sew. And having something I could take with me if I wanted to work on a project out of town and things like that. I love that you take a sewing machine on a road trip. I know, <laughs> I know. It's like a third of the trunk is yeah. just my sewing corner. <laughs> I get the eye rolls and the, you know. But it makes you so happy. It does. So um, my workspace is a hot mess <laughs> most of the time. Um, and over the, over the years, I have, I have gained a dedicated workspace. I work. see you using I'm trying to make a work. sewing clip to pin up your hair. And it's funny because I have... Some of the larger, these clover work. clips. I, I, if I had to make a short list of necessities when you started sewing. Oh, yeah. These clover clips would be on there. Is that what these are called? Yes. Okay. Clover is the brand, and they make these little plastic clips, and you can use them in place of pins. They're so much better. And with kids or as a beginner sewer, I stabbed myself so many times with pins when I first started sewing. I just wasn't coordinated and savvy enough to move them as needed and get them out of the way without jabbing them into my finger. And these are so handy. And they don't poke a hole in, especially the delicate fabrics like the laminated cotton. And, and thinner fabrics too. You know, if you ever sew with really thin things, you know, you're making lingerie or other things where the fabric is very delicate, lace even, you know, yeah. and you don't want to be poking a bunch of holes in it, these are great for that. And I have some of the, they make quilting ones that'll hold your quilt binding on, so they're, they're big. And I totally was sewing with one of those ones in your hair the other night, for sure. So those are in your workspace. Yeah, they're a must-have, for sure. Um, but so, over the years, um, I've acquired various things to kind of build my workspace. So I have a pegboard, Mitch put that up one year for me. Um, and that's super handy. For your thread and your ribbon. My thread. And, you know, another thing is talking about sewing with kids. One of the things I loved about that pegboard when the kids were little was I hang my scissors up there. Yep. They can't reach them. So those really sharp scissors, which is exactly how I like them, yep. are totally out of reach of small little hands. So you have two machines out at any time, right? The kid one and the serger. Yeah. And really... Sergers are pretty big. They're pretty heavy duty. Um, you also have four threads. And a serger, if you're not familiar with that, you've seen a serger stitch before. It's the like inside the inside hem of your t-shirts, yep. your jeans. It's that hem 
that looks like a million threads. It's not just one line of thread. It looks like a bunch of them. And they're all kind of wrapped around each other. So that's what you get from that serger. And um, when I got that serger, it was a generous gift from my family. It was my Christmas gift one year. I kind of put the word out. Yeah. Hey, if the only in. thing that showed up for me at all this Christmas yeah. was a serger, I would be grateful. And they did. Everybody pitched in. It was a big group effort. And they bought me this serger. And um, you now know, I come over and use once, yours. <laughs> right. Once I started sewing on it, all I could think of was, why didn't I do this sooner? And it's been great for, you know, everything that I need. Um, so, yeah, I, I do recommend it if... Um, and ultimately, we talked a little bit before about if somebody wanted to get into sewing, you know, and sewing with children, to me, in a lot of ways, it's similar. I mean, when I first started sewing, I was definitely sewing like you would sew with a child, you know, simple things, go yeah. slow, that kind of, all those same tips apply. Um, what do you do creatively besides sewing? So, um, <laughs> pun intended. I color a little bit. I started doing some drawing. I'm kind of hooked on those, you know, step by step, this is how you draw something. I have a book that has, um, it's called Modern Florals. Can't tell you the author off the top of my head. But it, it shows you, you know, she's got a bunch of different flowers. It's all simple line drawings and she shows you for this flower. Start with this part in the middle and draw this. Now start adding petals. Now fill in this way, you know, step by step. So that's been really fun. I've done a little bit of that. And I do a little embroidery. I'm kind of a big fiber arts person. A little embroidery. Um, I knit a little here and there. I call it survival knitting. Like, I can when I have to, but I'm not particularly good at it. I don't do anything fancy. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of rectangles. I've been working on the same cowl for a good two and a half years. Um, but Imagine the day it's done. I know. But embroidery and knitting are nice. Um, they are similar to sewing, but they're so portable. Yep. You can take them with you. You can road trip with them. You can have them on the plane. You can, you know, stash them in your purse, 10 minutes of waiting in the doctor's office, you know, those kinds of things. You can take it with you, which is nice. Um, which, since I don't personally do a lot of hand sewing, it's not really, you know, an option with sewing. But... Some embroidery, some knitting. Um, another thing, too, that the kids and I have been doing more and more of, because we go to a thousand birthday parties a year. I don't... Sometimes I think we go to more birthday parties than we actually know children. But um, we, uh, we've started making cards. So, you know, and you can kind of salvage material. It can be... Yeah. Paper that, you know, the corner is messed up, so you trim that part off, or... Um, because people just throw away wrapping paper and bags and the card and, you know, mm -hmm. to make something handmade or reuse some other material, yeah, it feels a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and also, too, you can really personalize it. Yeah. Um, and so even, even if the material isn't kind of salvaged, you know, you can get these packages of blank cards and blank gift tags and things like that at all the craft stores pretty inexpensively. You know, I can buy a whole package of blank ones for the same price as one birthday card at, yeah. at Target, you know. So um, so it's a combination of being frugal. Yeah, I'm not going to call myself cheap. No. Being frugal and also that personal side to it. Um, you know, I know, like, for example, the grandparents, I think, enjoy 
getting cards that the kids have drawn on yeah. and colored and made. I love getting handmade um, stuff. Yeah, and so that's that's a big thing that we do. Um, you know, I'll tell them, oh, we got a birthday party on Saturday. Somebody go get the card and start working on it, you know. Oh, gosh, that's usually something we do on the way to the birthday party. I'm like, somebody make a card. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would say it's 50-50 <laughs> the two days ahead, go get a card and start it, and the other 50% is in the car on the way there. Yes. Um, but there's the advantage of that, too. We don't have to stop at the store. We just grab the blank card, and somebody draws it on the way yeah. to the party. Yeah. So there's that. Um, so, yeah. And I do, I definitely enjoy gifting things that I've made. Um, you know, I think we talked earlier a little bit about, um, well, and related to the cards also, gift bags, um, making gift bags or gift card holders and things like that yeah. to go along with gifts or to be part of a gift. Um, yeah, because I am, I'm sorry, I'm not going to buy gift bags for every birthday party when I know I'm going to get like 15 or 20 at said birthday party. Whoever I'm giving a gift to the next time is going to get one of these things. It's going to get that gift bag back. Yeah, like, I, I'm i pretty sure I have given someone back their bag accidentally. I try and rotate it a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. After the kids open presents, I fold, I nice and neatly fold all those up. And, and the they, tissue paper. And they go, oh, yeah, and they go in a little spot in the closet. Yeah. And, yeah, so there is that. But, um, and we've started this at Christmas with, um, with my, my mother-in-law specifically. She, as I said, also sews and very much appreciates handmade things. She's made the kids a lot of amazing stuff herself. And so we kind of have started and have a little agreement of circulating these reusable cloth gift bags. Right. Um, and so, you know, I can pick up fabric after the holiday's over, really inexpensive, you know, 75% off. Something holiday related. Something holiday related and make some, some more for the next year. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's, that's fun. And again, personal and less wasteful because we're both also big tree huggers yes. amongst other things. So we don't like all the garbage to the world. Garbage. Yeah. Um, so every week we do a little bit of homework from the week before. And the last question that I asked and kind of at the last minute was how people express themselves creatively in their everyday life. And I got so many wonderful answers on my Facebook page that I want to go through them all. Ashton said that she expresses herself creatively with her lipstick and her outfit. Grant said by being himself, which is incredibly sweet. Mortimer X said by doodling in her work planner, and she included a picture of like Snoopy laying down under the stars. Um, Mary Scott said with clothes, jewelry, and singing like crazy in the car. Rand says he employs silliness in official documents like using a will or a blah blah in a field no one will read, which tickles me to no end. Definitely stealing that. Yeah, it's real good. It's great. Um, Mandy said she acts like herself in a male-run industry, which usually sees women as a bitch or a pushover. So, you know, that gal's just being herself. Um, Jamie said with cooking, you also cook. You have not mentioned that as one of your creative outlets, but oh, yeah. you do cook. I do cook. Um, Livy from Thrift Therapy Podcast, which we recorded with her last week, um, said she expresses herself creatively with her outfits and personality quirks. Genevieve from Episode 1 said she goes moment by moment trying to do things thoughtfully, which she rightfully calls mindfulness. Um, she included a link to her blog post on Passageway Arts, where she wrote an article about this the last time she had a baby, and I will include a link 
to her blog post on my blog post about this episode. Um, and my mom said that she looks for beauty in what she sees, like noticing the sun enhancing colors and sparkling light, or seeing how the wind twists leaves as it passes by. So she expresses it by turning it into paintings. And I'm totally going to corner her into an episode one of these days after she recovers from her knee surgery. You definitely should. Because she is an amazing artist. So the question this week is, is there a place that inspires you or brings out your creativity. So Sarah, you're welcome to answer this question. Right, and when I read your mom's response from last week's question, that really resonated with me, and I think my answer would probably be similar. You know, I really enjoy being outside, and I really, you know, get a lot of inspiration from that and appreciate all the colors and patterns and what that that we see outside. Honestly, too, just sometimes my dark, quiet house at night, you know? It's calm, it's quiet, everybody's asleep, and I just have the space kind of in my own head almost to, you know, let that creativity come out and Be the take thing over. that's stimulating you instead of yeah. the space. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so if you were to give yourself a title for your creative identity, what would your title be? Pattern fanatic. Yes. <laughs> just, yeah, my love of fabric patterns and even, you know, garment patterns, and yeah, I'm just hooked on it, and definitely get inspired by it. Yes. Kind of see a fabric pattern, and and it tells me what it wants to be. Absolutely. You know, so. Well, thank you, Sarah, for recording three different times with me. Sure. Only for you. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to our listeners, and we hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. Is there a place that inspires you or brings out your creativity? On nights especially dark and windy, I like to drive across town and sneak into my old neighbor's yard just to lay in the grass and listen to their very noisy trees rustle. It sounds like the ocean. And right up until their dog notices, it's just me and the waves, and it's a little inspiring. Not unlike our music by Berman Swale. Find him on Facebook. And there are photos, links, and more behind every episode at chattycrafties.com. This episode was produced by me, Amber Moreno, and hosted by my crafty comrade, Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio. Thanks for listening. Now go make some art. Are we just going to like save this recording to remember what we chatted about or something? Yeah, we're just going to say everything. We're yeah, gonna, but where we're are gonna we going to put gonna, it on where, we, where are we going to put this recording? Like on the internet? Or yeah, on the internet. It's on the yeah. internet. Like on Where everybody can see it? Hear it, it, see it, hear our voices. So that's what we just So everybody's going to be hearing, everybody who... Yeah, tries to look gonna, up this thing is gonna hear us saying us like, just talking about this yeah so oh my god that is just just okay let it off all right we've done it